0: Welcome to Soul Path Parenting, the podcast that explores how we set our kids up to live their best lives from the start, and how we stay conscious, inspired, and sane while we do it. I'm your host, Amy Breeze Cooper.
1: The big cue that I help parents with is when it's not cause and effect, there's something else going on. And so think of it as, it doesn't have to be woo-woo or kind of way out there. What if it's just energetic? and we're exchanging different kinds of energies.
0: Hello everyone and thank you so much for joining us for episode 17. I I just love today's conversation because honestly, I love it when my eyes are open to a whole new way of looking at something and Ashley Lee, today's guest has really she has shined a spotlight on the energetic dimensions of what can be happening with our kids. So I will fully admit that I grew up in a, a, probably like most of, of you did, in a really five sensory world. You've taken information through your five senses, everything is observable. And so when something's going on with my kids, sort of just by habit, I assume that there must be something going on in their physical world or in a relationship with a sibling or a friend. And it wasn't until this conversation that I really got how much energy could be playing a role related to their emotions, their physical responses to their world, allergies, and really, a lot of what they're experiencing in their lives can potentially be connected to energy. So let me give you a little bit of background on Ashley. She, she's just fascinating. She's a leader in the field of pediatric advanced energy healing, and she has over 30 years of experience as a pediatric and newborn cardiovascular critical care nurse. Imagine. Imagine. And so intense, both of those. And so she combines this energy work, which, by the way, she's a medical intuitive and she's psychic herself, with her really deep understanding of human physiology. She works primarily with kids who themselves are psychic, highly conscious, and highly sensitive, so that they, the kids can really understand their gifts, and so that they can thrive, and so their families can understand them and thrive, and so that they can have, have lives that work. And in this practice, she's really developed this understanding that I think for the rest of us who may or may not, you know, have kids with these heightened, uh, multi sensory abilities, we can learn from what she has uncovered, because it does apply to all children, every one of us is intuitive and energetically connected. And so no matter where you and your kids are with this, I think that you'll get a lot out of this conversation. So with that, we'll go ahead and dive into the interview. Hello, Ashley Lee, and welcome
1: to the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I'm excited. Me too. Um,
0: I wanted to start out grounding our listeners in what you do, and maybe really the first time that they're hearing from someone about the notion of energy healing. So could you share a little bit of the
1: context of that? The context of energy healing. Well, where should we begin, right? It's it's everywhere, right? We are energy. Everything we work with and deal with is energy, right? Even what we drink, even what we, we pet over here. I have a little doggy over here that's all excited for the show. And, right, so what I do for energy healing and process for that and, and to support kids and families with this is that a lot of times our energy feels out of whack. It Mm -hmm. feels stuck. It feels diminished or depleted. And we're not sure how to really harness that, master that, and work in an environment where we feel really full, alive, awake, energetic, working with each other in all the ways that we really choose to want to see in our lives. And so in that, a lot of people come towards me and are focused on working with their energy to create that opportunity where it flows more easily. And so where we find that most a lot of energy gets stuck is our physical body. So we feel uncomfortable, we feel tired, we feel ill or sick. We feel inflamed, like physically inflamed, like inflammation and different things. So we come in with different signs and symptoms and problems physically. Other people may come with um, stuck thoughts, right? (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. stuck ideas of what we believe we have to have and we're not making that happen stuck emotions where our emotions are so challenged sometimes that we feel inundated by them or they crowd our, our world so much so that we feel paralyzed to do what we want to do and be who we want to be and then spiritually some people come to me that are concerned about the world around them and then there's the highly sensitive kids that come to me and adults that come to me where they feel overwhelmed by the energies of life. So they see energies, they hear energies, they experience energies in different ways that overwhelm their environment because they may not know how to sort for what it is. They may not know where it's coming from or why it's present in their experience. And then they don't know how to share that or express that with other people because we don't usually talk about the energies of life that are all around us.
0: Right. Okay. So I think this is an excellent opportunity to start to talk about some of these things, right? And I'm really early to be honest with you in my journey of understanding a lot of this. And I'd love to have kind of a one-on-one conversation with you to sort of demystify some of these things. So you went through um, actually, you know, kind of the four, the mind, the body, the, the spirit, the, what am I missing here? Emotions um, and how those all connect to energy. And I'm curious, just to sort of dive a level deeper on each of those. So we can kind of shine a light on, you know, for somebody who's going through life with stuck emotions or thoughts, like they might not even realize that that's what it is. And right. so um, can you provide like an example from your practice of where it actually was this stuck emotion or thought showing up
1: energetically? Well, that's a wonderful, really awesome question, right? We can dive into many areas of it. So, for example, lots of children and people are telepathic. They have the ability to hear and experience other people's thoughts. And sometimes it can be very little and literal and upfront and right at you. Like, you know, when mom's mad at us, we kind of know what that really is about without her saying anything, right? Or if a friend of ours at school, for example, or at work is irritated with us, we get a pretty good idea of what that's about, right? And some of us that have the ability to take in that information and really, you know, experience that, you know, she's sending a wave of energy out called brainwaves or thought waves and other people can pick them up. And when they pick them up, they... And it's distorted or it's not true or it's inflamed like it has some emotion packed with it. A lot of times then the receiver of that information can feel overwhelmed and unsure of how to navigate their world around them. Like they may notice that they didn't say anything or mm-hmm. they may think that they said something. And yet it's so disturbing at some at, at times that we don't know how to respond. And so we feel overwhelmed on how to create that environment where we can speak authentically with each other and say, I sense, you know, you might be struggling with me. Share with me a little bit more about how we can work through this. So the struggle can be less than what we're experiencing right now, right? We're not used to talking like that. We're not used to addressing each other like that. And I think those poses some of the challenges for the children that are coming in with this, alertness, this awareness, this understanding, and and don't know how to say, how come you think so badly of me? What did I do? You know, those sort of things. We don't know how to create those kinds of conversations because many people perceive that their thoughts and feelings are private to their own experience. Mm. Yes. And we must
0: imagine that they might not be.
1: Yes. And so when we recognize that our thoughts and feelings are not private to our own experience, we can then become aware and alert ourselves to saying, hmm, as I think this uncomfortable thought towards this person, could they be picking up on it? Right. So you can you can test that in your field. You know, you could you could somebody can walk by you and they give you a funny look and you give them a funny look too and go. I did not mean to do that to you that you felt I did to you. And you watch, they may turn around and look at you because they're actually sensing that interaction on a level that they may not be aware of. So we can send positive thoughts back, uh, remorseful thoughts back saying, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to think that about you. I just made an assumption and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to start that conversation with you.
0: Yeah. I keep hearing as I've as I've dived into the conversations on this podcast and that there are more kids coming in that are more sort of tuned in that are more psychic or telepathic or connected and I keep wondering like well is that really what's happening or is it that all the people with those gifts you know had they been born in decades past would
1: have just gotten shut right down what's your perspective on it I think that's a lovely question in the sense of perspective. So what is the perspective? I I think I was born that way. I think I was born highly psychic, highly intuitive. I didn't know what it was. I thought everybody was like that, right? I thought everybody could read each other's thoughts and feelings. I thought everyone could see multiple perspectives. And when you don't see the perspective, you could come out of your body and go to the ceiling and say, how does it look from that perspective looking down? or getting really small and looking up, right? Oh, is that what you would do as a kid? Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> you would sort of fly out of your body
1: above <laughs> or below the situation? Yeah, to see a greater perspective or a smaller wow. perspective. okay. And I didn't know what I was doing. I thought everybody could do that. Everybody could see multiple perspectives. And then as I grew older, I recognized that people were really centered in their own perspective, which I didn't know was a belief, right, that they believed mm-hmm. life is this way or is that way. And I didn't understand their the rules and their stringencies about how everything has to be. And I said, well, what if we could just let go of the rules, not being a rule breaker, but what if we just let go of some of the rules so that we can expand and see what else we'd like to create, right, and, and open up the opportunities, especially when environments are riddled with problems or difficulties or challenges, we tend to get more mired down and try to solve the problems from that fear state or that awful state instead of going, well, let's just take a moment. Let's everybody breathe. Let's everybody let go of those feelings and tune in, like you said, right? And tune into what are the perspectives? What's happened here? How can we readjust our environment? Right? I think that's what it means to become conscious or aware or Mm -hmm. awake to the situation and the perspectives. Right. And you mentioned consciousness. I'm so
0: interested in getting your perspective on this question that I have. I've been hearing that, I don't know if it's that children come in conscious or that they're they're so close to source that, um, that in some ways they're conscious, but I'm wondering what we as parents can do to sort of not short circuit, whatever consciousness they may come in with.
1: (laughs) That's a great way to say it short circuit, this consciousness, right? And we can recognize that a lot of times when we come in and, and we're let, so let's put it on the playground, maybe at a school or something, a place where children congregate together. And let's say they have a moment of disruptiveness. They are fighting over a ball, for example. And one wants the ball and the other one wants the ball. And a teacher comes by to support them into uh, settling the conflict, right? And so we'll go into these old belief patterns of how it was when we were kids on the playground as teachers, right? And we'll use or the rules and the regulations of the school. You can't take from each other. You have to take turns, all of these sort of things. So what we do is when we feel we have a conflict, it feels uncomfortable for everyone. And so no matter whether we're the perpetrator or the victim or whether we're the mediator in the middle and trying to how it support the people solving the problem, what happens in that instance is, is that we'll pull in, especially as the mediator role comes in, we'll pull in rules and regulations and experiences we had from the past. Mm-hmm. When we bring in that past experience, it may limit us in the problem-solving opportunities. Especially if we were adults born into a world where we felt individuated and separate, and that we have to grow up and be independent and learn how to, to solve problems on our own. And all that's really great and wonderful. And what if the kids nowadays are born into this awareness that we are not separate from each other? And even though that we have differences and different opinions, different understandings, different ways of achieving what it is we want to create, and some of that creates conflict. What if we can remember that the children are experiencing an idea called oneness, an idea called non-separation, and they're actually wanting to inherently learn how to move from this idea of being codependent as a baby or an infant and moving into maybe this independent state and actually, what if it's an interdependent state where we learn to support one in, one another? I call this kind of consciousness in service to us. So as mm-hmm. I take care of me for you and you take care of you for me, together we elevate the conversation in service to us by increasing and improving the conversation, the experience, and then the relationship. And when we're all looking out for everybody's best interest, then we're more apt to move into a realm of compassion. That is the absence of judgments about our perspectives or our perceptions of what we're feeling is happening. And we move into a, a mode of exploration where we start to explore each other's perceptions so that we can come to this idea of a committed or heart centered, I call it, consensus so that we can come together and create what it is we wanted to create, even if the two children were, you know, challenged over having one ball, that they could explore other options.
0: Right. There was something that you said that really was fascinating. And the great thing about this podcast is I get to explore my own beliefs and preconceptions. And I really thought that I was raising my kids to be independent and sort of launch from the nest. And to be self-sufficient and all of those things, right? My youngest is three. So we're, you know, we're not close to self-sufficiency, <laughs> but I sort of saw parenting as this journey of getting them ready to go out in the world and take flight on their own. And you're suggesting that interdependence versus independence can be that next sort of evolution for, how what we're, we're sort of aiming at as as human beings on this planet
1: we offer an opportunity when we when we suggest interdependence we deepen the opportunity of self-love and nurturing i will take care of myself so i will provide service to myself and i will provide service to others which creates this idea of service to us and when we amplify that in an environment more abundance more goodness more opportunities begin to arise and tie the situation than if we just are me oriented.
0: One of the things that you've talked about is kids that have sort of varying levels of intuition, right? I, I believe that we all have some level of intuition or some people could say psychic abilities. Maybe that's a bridge too far for others. And, and others of course, really have those gifts kind of coming through very loudly And I learned from you some notions around like really helping their, your kids tap into their inner guidance. I would love for you to share your thoughts on that with our listeners.
1: Well, there's so many beautiful ways to connect to our inner guidance and children really share with us that they do this all the time. So we do this as children in play, in communicating with ourselves, with each other, and life around us. A lot of kids will communicate to the trees, to the plants, to the earth. They'll connect to the weather. They'll talk to the weather. I used to talk to a hurricane in New Orleans when I was little. And when the eye of the hurricane passed over, I used to say, why is it not blinking at us? Right? Because we took things literally of what people told us around us was going on. And then we tied in that anticipation. So we we felt we could talk to the weather. We felt we could talk to each other in many ways, um, and we so really delving into that idea of answering that question. What what psychic ability do you think we're all built with as humans? What would you think? Are you asking me? Yeah. What would you think that would be?
0: Well, I don't know what exactly how you're breaking it down. I mean, there's. I've been taught there's different types of ways of receiving information, right? So there's clear cognizance when you just have that inner knowing yeah, and clairvoyance where you see visions and et cetera, et cetera, right? Some people are clear audience and they hear voices. Is that what you're referring to? Well,
1: yeah, you brought up a great perspective in that sense because a lot of us believe that when we're psychic or when we're multisensory, we're receiving that information, but also, as humans, we're also giving out that information. So how do we share that information with other people? How do, how do we share our heart with other people, right? Most clearly, we do it through an awareness of uh, we share our love with people, right? And sometimes we share our love overtly through conversation, through a smile, through body language, through touch, through a hug. And we also can share it by being aware. So just closing our eyes and tuning in, I'm aware I am love and I choose to share love with you in that moment, right? Some of us put in our cooking and our playing and our ways that we relate in all these different ways. And so really everyone on this planet is born empathic. That is the ability to emote and Mm -hmm. receive emotions and share emotions with others,
0: Oh, and is that the way you were referring to when you asked the question to me?
1: Yeah. Okay. So each feeling emotion, right? Feeling emotions. Okay. Innately are born with that ability as babies. We don't have to learn it. We don't have to have sets of experiences in order to, you know, share emotions or experience emotions. It comes hardwired in our body, in our being. And we cry We learn how to smile, right, as babies, but we coo when we start to recognize our vocal cords, right? And so, moms and caregivers can tell when babies are happy, right, because they're quiet, they're soft, they settle in, they nestle in, they snuggle, right? Those kinds of behaviors you can tell that someone is feeling happy or blissful or content or calm or peaceful. And then, when a baby's not happy, what do they do they emote crying and so they exhibit dissatisfaction disharmony pain suffering something a wet diaper a hungry tummy something and they share that with us and we share through emotions so everyone on the planet has the opportunity to give emotions and share emotions with one another we don't have to learn that well we do get to learn about emotions is how we utilize them when we're triggered or upset Mm -hmm. with something. And when we're babies, right, and moms and dads and caregivers really, because it's so painful to hear a baby suffer or cry, what do we do? We shush them, right? We tell them, it's okay, be quiet, you don't need to cry anymore. And so when we share that with them, what we're accidentally doing is telling them that it's not okay to have their emotions. So instead, Mm -hmm. what is really valuable, even to babies, is to say, it's okay. I understand you're crying. I understand you're upset. Thank you for sharing with me your upsetness so I could Mm -hmm. change your diaper or I could feed you or I could put you in a new position or I could hold you or hug you or sing to you or whatever it is that you're wanting to experience with me. Thank you for sharing. And as soon as you acknowledge that, what's the baby usually going to do? It shifts. It shifts,
0: right? Yes. Sometimes it's
1: not immediate. Some of the babies are more sensitive than others. And then they get all upset that they entered an uncomfortable feeling. And they're not sure how to come out of the feeling. So you can continue to say, instead of getting bothered, there's there's a great video out there on media about a dad holding a baby, a toddler who's two, who's screaming for like two or three minutes. And he's quiet He's soft, he's content, he's peaceful and he's supporting and role modeling to the child, that energy, that feeling, that emotion. Mm -hmm. And he's letting the child like work it out of himself because I have a feeling that two year old is very sensitive to emotions and doesn't want to feel bad emotions. And so the dad recognized that and acknowledged that in the baby and is teaching the baby how to say, it's okay. I acknowledge your uncomfortable emotions. I am going to, I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to shush you. I'm not going right. to try to please you or placate you or make you feel better. I'm going right. to let you work this out. Holding the space for the emotions. Hol- to pass. Holding the space yeah. for the emotions. Exactly. And that yeah. is so beautiful because then we can start to teach and share and resource and guide our children through greater states of emotional wisdom And in that, then they can utilize when they grow older, they can learn that emotions are a great tool. It helps accelerate manifested our our manifested physical reality. What does that mean? Yeah. So when we're feel angry and we express anger, we get everybody rocking and rolling, don't we? Either they run away, (laughs) (laughs) either they run away or try to solve the problem. And I suggest instead of solving the problem in fear and anger, why don't we all take a deep breath, let that emotion leave us. And then notice what the triggering events was that created that anger, so that we can actually problem solve inside love, Mm -hmm. inside understanding and compassion. I love that.
0: And the word love, you've sort of anchored back to something I wanted to go back to that you said earlier that was really a light bulb moment for me because I've been exploring, developing my own intuition, and you are spot on. It is all about receiving and i want to delve a little deeper into giving because i've recently gotten really tuned into the fact that we're all love and even this is sort of the behind the scenes like opening up my brain <laughs> but what's what my intention of this podcast is i just want to radiate love out to everybody listening and I've been asking myself how to do that. And so I'm curious if you could share a little bit about your own practices of, you talked about smiling and connecting with people. I wonder, really, how is it that you approach giving and radiating love out and how you might coach a child on that?
1: You know, that is so beautiful because really what it mentions is this idea of what I do as an energy healer. We do quantum energy healing instead of quantum energy destruction and quantum energy destruction is where we're having bad thoughts and bad emotions or negative ones or uncomfortable ones or ones that don't serve us and when we have those and we project that out into our environment we create more of that right we've mm-hmm. we've all we've all resembled that consciousness on days past right and in this moment, though, we when we concentrate on energy healing or quantum energy healing is what happens is, is when we get clarity of thought, clarity of heart, so clarity of mind, clarity of emotions, clarity of our spirit, our mission, our vision, our purpose. You're very clear with this podcast because your passion is just echoes out of your voice. Everyone can feel and sense your passion. About what you're sharing here on these podcasts that are so beautiful and so well received, because people can sense that passion. So you're illuminating or emanating. Well, first, right, you embodied the consciousness of sharing conscious parenting with chi- with parents and children and families. And so when you embody that passion, you're you're this living, walking consciousness of passion about parenting in an environment that supports children being their true nature, which is love. And and then how do we express that love in form in our everyday life? And so inside that embodiment, you emanate it out. How do you emanate it out? Well, on a podcast, you emanate it, through, emanate it out through media. In your voice, you emanate it out through in an emotion and passion. In your mind, you have clarity of thought about what you want to do, what you want to ask, and the points that you want to share, so that it makes sense for your audience to receive. So we call that um, speaking your passion, being your passion, emanating your passion. That's how you send it out. And and a really big part of highly psychic people that emanate emanate out psychic abilities. What happens is is they sometimes can get over overwhelmed because what they send out isn't well received, right? So people Mm -hmm. aren't, other people may not know how to receive that love or that passion or that genius. And how do we create setting that listening? So I support a lot of kids and families in really understanding, okay, you're emanating out this really awesome visionary idea and you want everyone to hear it, and you want to talk this way, mind to mind. Well, they don't know, but they, rec- they feel that everybody can talk that way. So supporting mm-hmm. them and recognizing that everybody doesn't yet talk that way, and it's okay. And how would we like to talk to people that they could hear it or receive it or understand it? So really tuning into that giving and receiving inside the relating helps the highly psychic or highly multi-sensory aware person how to transmit the really great gifts and opportunities that they'd like to share with the world around them.
0: Can we talk a little bit more about these highly sensitive kids, highly sensitive people and highly sensitive kids? It's um, something that you've mentioned and I, I first became aware of this concept a few years ago when my sister mentioned it to me. Um, But can you describe what it is and how we might parent highly sensitive kids more
1: effectively? Well, I think it's a really, a really great question because a lot of parents, so most children, right, all of us human are born empathic and that we experience empathy or we experience emotions from other people. And some children are more sensitive to it than other children. And those, then we grow on and they grow older and we call them empaths, right? So they have a role or an idea of what that means. And so these are kids that will typically present in the world as shy or wanting to stay home or homebodies. Their kids, when they get older and they're teenagers, they wake up at four in the morning and they start playing and they have to be quiet because the rest of the household's quiet. So they'll do video games or whatever or have their earplugs in. And a lot of times, or they create their own enclosed worlds. And what's happening is, is those kids are giving you an idea. You can ask them and approach them and say, you know, when you walk into the grocery store and you're feeling happy and amazing and all of a sudden you have a stomachache or all of a sudden you have a headache, Or all of a sudden you were happy and now you're sad and nothing really happened. I can tell you that when it's not cause and effect like that, it's energetic. And what's happening is they're taking in. So when they take in the pain of others, those are forms of healers. When we physically surrogate in the pain of others, we somehow know inside of ourselves inherently or organically we can heal that pain. Whether that pain's mm. physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual, we can heal that pain. And so many empathic people have an awareness of someone feeling emotionally uncomfortable, and mm. so then they get sad because it entered their physical body and they feel it physically. That sadness physically, right? We all know what sadness feels like physically in our body. It doesn't feel good. We feel depressed. We feel overwhelmed. We feel a lack of energy. We feel. Um, maybe tired, withdrawn, not wanting to engage, right? And so when we have those feelings physically in our body and yet nothing in our environments or no thought or experience happened, So a lot of these kids are called highly sensitive. They're called somatic. They're making it up. You were happy a minute ago. Why are you sad now, right? <laughs> and then the, the parent doesn't know and then the child goes, well, I don't, I don't know either. Why am I sad now? I must be crazy. I must be this, I must be that. They don't recognize, hmm. So what I do is help the kids and the parents to say, hmm, well just take a moment, not to blame or not to put it to someone else, but what if that was somebody else's feelings that you were experiencing physically in your body? And they explore that and they answer honestly and they say, Yeah, that really was somebody else's feelings. And so what do you do? You do you set boundaries? Do you set you know and so they do that automatically, like they're like, I don't want to go outside. I don't want to go to the shopping mall. I don't want to go traveling. I don't want to go on an airplane. I don't want to be closed in with people that I can't get away from or support or help or change. So then I, I support the empath or the person who's telepath or the physical surrogate who's a healer or something like that. I support them in saying, okay, so you unconsciously, you didn't mean to, and you what it looks like accidentally Took in the energies of the other person. How should we handle that? Most of the kids say, "Run away, <laughs> go away. <laughs> I don't want that anymore." And say, "Okay, but what if it's something positive? What if you could, right?" Because when you tell an empath to say, "Oh, never mind that person's feelings. Never mind. Let them have their feelings and walk away," it doesn't. It doesn't feel good. It hurts because in deep inside of you, you're like, "I felt their feelings." Why am I gifted with this ability to feel their feelings and then do nothing about it? So we feel an impetus to support one another. And yet socially or emotionally or in society, it's inappropriate to go up to the person. I think you feel sad. Can I give you a hug? I mean, maybe if you're three, right? Pretty much everyone will accept a hug from a three-year-old, but not a 15-year-old. So, Or an older person. (laughs) So what if we can teach, depending upon their age groups, which is socially more appropriate or more openness, is is to start to develop these authentic conversations. And it's very easy to say, I sense you might be feeling sad. Could that be true? And so when we Uh, ask people that very gently, very softly, without any, right? But we're jolted by the sadness in our body. So you have to help the empath understand, okay, is that sadness mine or is it someone else's? Well, it's someone else's. Okay, if it's someone else's, then let's remove it out of our body so that we can get centered, move back into love, so that we can offer actual real support to the other person. And so how do we do that? Well, if it's socially inappropriate to go to the person at all, what if we could say, I let go of that sadness, and that person in the grocery store that I don't know, what if we could ask the universe in whatever way that they believe is appropriate, ask the universe to support them to help them through their sadness. Right. And I can tell you, every empath, no matter what their age group is, even babies I talk to, soul to soul, heart to heart, mind to mind, they're happy with that choice. Because when they ask the universe to support, just think about that. One person sad in the grocery store. And 50 people are looking and feeling that sad person and saying, universe, help this person out. I'm not sure how that's going to work out. It's okay. I'm not attached to how it works out. But I do know that my, right, it's an advanced prayer. It's an advanced idea. We're calling in the energies of the universe to support that person when they're feeling less supported in the world. It's beautiful. So You're giving kids the
0: awareness of whether it's their emotion or someone else's. And when they have taken on someone else's, there seems like there's a variety of options that you're training them in. Okay. So we can go and give them a hug if that's socially appropriate. We can go and ask them,
1: how did you put it? I I feel that you might be, I sense sense. that you are experiencing sadness. What could that be true?
0: Right, and start a conversation. Or if it's not even a person that's known to you where it's appropriate to actually connect through conversation or physically, you can just really give the energy, put like take the energy out of yourself and then
1: send them love, support, asking the universe to support them, asking all their loved ones in their life to support them, asking their whatever they believe in God, Buddha, anything that they believe in. What do they believe in? So that they can connect with that inner guidance that we were talking about, right? That that can guide them through that emotional discord that they're experiencing.
0: Well, and you've also opened my eyes to asking a different set of questions. Like my daughter sometimes complains that her tummy hurts. And of course, okay, this is embarrassing when I'm going to say it anyways, because I promise to be totally authentic on this podcast, but I'll be like, well, do you think you need to poop? (laughs) (laughs) But there's a whole other set of questions about, you know, well, not even really a set of questions. There's a question. Well, do you think it's yours or do you think, you know, you're taking that feeling on from someone else? Right. Because I've feeling? started to notice she's, I, I, I've I started to notice, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, yeah. but yeah, she's, she's picking up on things in the household, other, other people's thoughts
1: and energies. Yeah. And maybe their discomfort too. And maybe their discomfort is hanging out. That's emotional discomfort, but it's hanging yeah. out in their tummies. And when they say they, they might be me. <laughs> She started or this, siblings. this
0: this daughter of this is my um the the third one uh and uh, the third child and she um she's very bright and uh, observant in the five sensory world um and I think because of that I I maybe haven't tuned in as much to how she's picking up on other things and so she started to have these fears and um I thought it was because, you know, she can see what's happening in the world and, and it creates fear because there's this sort of imbalance with what she sees in the world and and her experience of, of the world, right? And so she doesn't necessarily believe that she's safe in all of these situations. But actually what I've realized is that um, my husband travels quite a bit and it makes me a little uneasy when it's just me in the house with the kids and she has started to get scared when he's not here. And I'm like, where did you get that thought? And I think she got it right out of my head. So, <laughs>
1: or, or right out of your tummy. Right out of my tummy, yeah. Where There's we, some other can things commonly, we can commonly hide our fears or our yeah. overwhelm in different sections of our body and right. is energetically feeling it there and then may feel that your tummy's upset. So that you can then discern and say, does it feel like it's your physical tummy? Or do you feel like maybe it's an emotional response? Like, is it is it an emotion in there in the tummy? And then you can ask her, is that is that your emotions or is it somebody else's? Okay, and great. And she may not be able to have the words of the languaging or know to even look in there. And you can have the littler of the kids; they tend to talk to they tend to talk to um, to people and say things like. An opportunity would be, for example, sorry for the interruption. <laughs> the life, life happens right life, outside our doors. Life right? happens right outside our doors. And so what, what can happen in that situation is, is that um, she may not be able to discern that you had uncomfortable feelings. I, I sense that you're very much right about that. energy. So I call those energy exchanges, okay, inside the relating. So she accidentally or unconsciously as a little healer inside of her wanting to support people feeling very comfortable in their lives and so if you're feeling uncomfortable she zoned in to the section or the area where you were maybe suppressing some of your feelings because you didn't want to share you didn't want to make the kids or think that the kids could get scared from your feelings of uneasiness and so you can say, for example, does that, does, does that feeling in your stomach feel uneasy? Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And do you feel that that's your tummy ache or maybe somebody else's? And when they're little, they'll start to talk to the energy, relate to the energy of their own tummy, and their tummy will be up. That's their inner guidance, right? And their inner guidance will be, I think it's somebody else's. And then you could say, do you think it could be mine? And there were, maybe. And, mm-hmm. and say, that's okay. What's so nice is you can share to little ones too. You can say, okay, that's my thing that I was having inside that I didn't know was there. And you so wonderfully picked up on it. But what if you could pull that energy right out of your tummy and give it back to me where it belongs? And I'll take care of it. I promise. I'll take care of it. It'll be okay. And thank you for caring so much that you wanted to support me. So now she has new sets of ideas of how to relate to different aches and pains in her body. She also has an idea that sometimes it can be emotional and not just physical, like needing to poop, for example. And the other way to look at it is, too, is if you're running that pattern, for example, then what she can say is, Mommy, I think your tummy's upset again. Because what you've taught her is that you didn't notice it was there before. So now Mm -hmm. she's noticing it for you. You say, you're right. It's there again. Look at that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then and then you go through a practice of releasing it and recognizing what it is that, you know, as you just shared. And then you can say, hey, can you check? Is my tummy clear? And she'll say, yeah, it's clear. Good job, mommy. Right? And so then we're talking about helping each other with emotional discords that we accidentally suppress somewhere in our physical body that these kids can see or feel or experience. Right. That
0: you just gave me a whole new set and probably our listeners as well, a whole new set of of sort of questions to lead a conversation that opens our kids up. Well, they're already seeing and experiencing it, but gives them a more of a guide to what they're feeling and experiencing. Ex- so that's wonderful. Exactly. Thank you for that. And
1: and so being open to it doesn't have to just be on the surface cause and effect. And a lot of times the big cue that I help parents with is when it's not cause and effect, there's something else going on. And so mm-hmm. think of it as it doesn't have to be woo-woo or kind of way out there. What if it's just energetic and we're exchanging different kinds of energies? We're exchanging physical energies, emotional energies, mental energies, or spiritual energies. And spiritual energies can be quite simple. For lots of people, it's purpose, passion, mission, vision, idea. And we're so motivated nowadays to create a world that's conscious and aware and awake. What if everybody's awaking to, well, what's my my purpose of being here? What what gifts do I have to share with the world? And Mm -hmm. what if we can start to explore that? What if the kids are exploring that? And so if they're not having something that's a direct cause and effect, what if they can actually go, oh, what if this is something deeper? And what if the deeperness helps when you get to the heart of it? And you start to unravel or unlink that conflict, you notice yeah. how everybody starts calming down, how everybody starts being present and peaceful, and everybody starts giving an opportunity to each other in ways that they never knew that they could treat before. Right, right.
0: There's one other arena that I just wanted to explore, because I know that also the energetic work you do can show up um, in terms of allergies. So certain things can can maybe manifest as allergies in the body that have an energetic cause. Can you talk about how you've seen that with kids and and how you what you do about it?
1: Yeah, you know, That is a really great question to you. You ask amazing questions. When I have found clinically, like from, from you know, a physical background that when people are allergic or have autoimmune challenges, that means inflammation of the body, that means they don't like themselves. They don't like their body or they're afraid of their body. So many people, for example, who are allergic are physically sensitive to the world around them. So there are three basic uh, allergens. The type that you eat, you ingest. The type that you breathe in, you inhale. Or contactants, the type that touch you. And then there are other, for the highly sensitive, are stimulation. So people are even allergic to high altitude. Light, dark, cold, hot. It's fascinating. So the more Mm -hmm. highly sensitive you are to the energies around you, the more these allergies can manifest in these interesting sort of ways. But what happens is is highly sensitive people are really not liking the skin they're in. And so it shows up as these allergies. And so the skin that they're in is a physical representation of something happening. So it could be physical, like I'm not, I was born allergic and asthmatic in, to everything in the world. So I came in as a baby not so happy about being in the world. Well, that's indicative of some spiritual issues that I've been working out in my lifetime and it's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey, right? that it's okay to be me and that it's okay to be highly sensitive. And it's okay to be energetically connected in all these amazing ways. We just didn't know that we could speak about it, talk about it and relate to each other in such a loving way about it. And so when, when someone is experiencing an allergy, it gets entangled with the nervous system. And what happens is when, we, when I support the nervous system and balancing the nervous system, then the allergies starts to diminish and move out from the body. And the way that we support the nervous system is helping the person spiritually, emotionally, mentally, and physically understand that it's safe to be in the world. It's safe mm-hmm. to eat. It's safe to breathe. It's safe to touch. And when, it's, when you're able to do that and you're able to share with everyone like, you know, in my office, I was helping a young child with allergies, and he was very highly sensitive. And his young little sister walked in and said, Mommy, I see God. And she was so awesome. She didn't question it at all. She wanted to experience what her daughter was experiencing. So she asked, well, what does God look like? And, and she said, well, he's blue. He's blue, of course. And we all kind of laughed of course. and giggled and said, of course, God's blue. And so then we asked, what did God say? And he said, and she said, oh, he said all kinds of things. (laughs) (laughs) And And so that's an aspect, right, of our inner guidance, our godly inner guidance. And it's amazing, right? And we can connect to all these ways of connecting in the world that we may feel that it's not okay to talk about. And so as the highly sensitive start to be okay with their environment, start to be with, okay with eating and breathing air and touching and doing things and being their true nature and really coming into um, acknowledging and being happy and loving and self-nurturing themselves, their allergies start to diminish because their brain and nervous system take on a new way of being, thinking, emoting, and experiencing the world around them.
0: I, I'm sure there's a lot to this. So I'm not sure how, how how deeply we can dive into this. But how do you create for that child the sense that they're safe in their environment and, and in their body and eating and being that's like that's a really
1: great uh way to describe that because uh, where where i started in my practice was energy healing that in them so supporting them with the sensory receptor sites physically in their body that also integrated so proprioception or proprioceptors in our large joints is where we start to take in the energies of life around our bodies And we start to assimilate that information through our nervous system, our peripheral nervous system, and it gets fed to the central nervous system. And then our brain takes in this data, this information, this energy, and then processes. And sometimes when we're around very stringent people in our lives, like what we see is real and nothing else is real, then when they feel something touch their cheek and there's nothing there in the air, And then they go and they touch it and they connect with it. Oh, that's God touching me or that's my grandmother touching me or something else that they can't feel or sense. And yet it's an energy. It's an energy of love and it's expressing through many different ways. The child can realize it, but then the child says, well, God touched me on the cheek. And the parent may say, God doesn't work like that. They don't touch you on the cheek. Then that negation or that rule or that understanding about how life is counter counter is intuitive to what the child is experiencing. And so who are they going to believe? Well, they're going to believe a lot of times of what's right in front of them and go with that and then suppress that other feeling. So Mm -hmm. the ways to help uh, people being okay with being in their body is to acknowledge that they're experiencing these experiences, Mm -hmm. to acknowledge. So, for example, if someone was allergic to... I found someone allergic to a burrito, right? And they got food poisoning. And I said, it's really not food poisoning. You had a sensitivity to the burrito. Well, what happened was, was he ordered a burrito, but he was sensitive to people's feelings. So the the young individual who handed him a burrito, when I looked into the energy of that, what happened was that that young gentleman who was handing burritos out at a faster food restaurant, what happened was, was he was feeling rejection from a girlfriend he was having. And he was emanating, right, out this feeling of rejection because he didn't want to feel rejected anymore. And he put it in the burrito. He didn't mean <laughs> to. But yeah. the highly sensitive young gentleman, six years old, who ate that burrito felt the experience of the rejection and was that sensitive to food because of what was. So we, I've traced people being allergic to food from, where it was created, the farmers, the people who produced it, the people who delivered it, the grocery store owners, the people who prepared it. So the energetics flow through everything in our lives. And what I do is help the children and adults sort for where was the energetics coming from so that we can really discern where the uncomfortable feeling became manifested. And so mm-hmm. what and what does that mean and what does that look like? And so that's where we can get into germ theory and and ideas, toxins and different things of why our bodies get so uh, riddled with these physical problems. And so helping people with allergies in that way. And some people, for example, want allergies. I've met lots of adults who want to be allergic to cats because they don't like cats. And I said, what if we could clear your cats and then you choose not to have cats and have a conversation with your family that... Having cats is something you don't desire. So sometimes we manifest things because we don't want to deal with that conversation. And I Have you cleared people of cat allergies? Because that's
0: one of the big ones. Yes,
1: yes. And then I've you cleared have. people. I mean, we can talk a little bit woo-woo for a minute. I've talked about people who believe that they've had a past experience in another lifetime and they mm-hmm. got mauled by a cat, a big cat like a mountain lion or a tiger or something. And they got mauled by that and they have that, Wounded impression spiritually in their body, and they stayed allergic to cats that way. And so sometimes that's very challenging to let go, especially, let's say, the person from their religious values don't believe in past lives. So then it's very challenging for them to connect to it. So you could, as an energy healer, you could remove that for a little while, but if they believe that that's something bad in their life and they don't want that anymore, they may bring that cat allergy, for example, back in if we didn't heal that past life wounding and what happened around Kinda. that. So sometimes allergies can manifest from the phys- from the spiritual energetic body as well into the physical body. Can they
0: also be genetic? Do you think, I mean, my husband, for example, has terrible allergies and so does his mom. Well,
1: they can. And- they can because they can run the same patterns. They can run the same consciousness patterns. Okay. So I'm actually working with a geneticist to talk about genetic consciousness and how it runs in families. And we're finding and geneticists are finding and they're actually making molecular diagnostic tools and laboratory values to show this is true. So if you had a family constellation issue like, um, I don't know, fear or terror runs in the family and cats represent that fear or terror and then you go to heal the root cause so let's say it was in grandma and grandma is passed away but we heal it spiritually it starts to change the genetics so if we had a genetic marker for cat allergies right we could test it do the healing and then they're better after the healing and they don't have that they don't have that genetic marker anymore too and
0: this is being experimented with yes. Right now yes wow that's
1: fascinating yes so, wow. Well, so our genetics wow. is really very closely related to how we perceive and think about or believe in our world. And when we believe a certain way, we manifest biochemical responses from the keys of our biochemical ability through gen- through the genetic expression. Fascinating.
0: I have one last question for you. You've been so generous with your time. Thank you. Um, what do you wish you. more parents knew?
1: Wow. And you're asking a visionary <laughs> these questions, right? It's kind of funny. I'm like, well, where, where, what pocket do I go to to answer that one? No, oh, why don't I try my heart? What would I like parents to know? First of all, I'd love parents to know that you're doing an amazing job, no matter where you are, how you are, what you're doing or being, and that no matter how horrible or how amazing your story is in your lifetime, that got you to the level of parenting that you're at. Honor yourself, support yourself, love yourself. Know that you're doing and have done the best you can. Allowing yourself to let go of the past, if the past is haunting you a little bit about I made a bad decision, or I feel guilty about this. I highly suggest to every parent on the planet to let go of guilt. We don't need to have guilt because it just feeds more problems to everyone, the kids and everybody else. I offer the opportunity to always say if we've done a misgiving, if we've done something inappropriate, if we've done something that suppressed our children, we can always say, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you and I love you. That's a really easy process to do. The other thing is that we can go in deeply and really start to recognize, "Oh, I have some issues (laughs) and I'm reflecting that to my kids and I'm forcing it on them or I'm demanding it to them. And what if we can say, wait a second, so the next time, for example, a parent says, whenever you take the trash, don't take the trash out, you make me feel sad. What if the child's behavior, good or bad, never made you feel a certain way? That you are the source of your feelings and that you created your feelings and that, yes, not taking out the trash when they said they would um, is an issue and creates trust and, and other kinds of problems. That I, I invite you, I inspire you to create a deeper conversation about what's around the non-compliance, Because quite honestly, it might not be their favorite thing to do. So what if they could do something different and it gets reallocated? Um, what if an honoring and an acknowledging of preferences or, and I mean, even energetic preferences, what if the house is too loud? What if the house is too alone? What if they need to get out more? What if they need to come in more? What if they need less of a busy schedule? What if open, honest communication and honest in a way, what if you don't have to share everything on your mind? but what if you can share things that help set the listening for them so that they can hear you of what you have to share as well? And what if we enter every conversation by releasing negative emotions first, stepping back into that love space that we all know we are, and coming from that to problem-solve something that may be uncomfortable for everyone? I love it. Thank you so
0: much, Ashley. I've really gotten so much out of our conversation today, and I'm sure our listeners have too.
1: I thank you all so much. It's such an honor and a privilege to share with everyone, and we all are a work in progress. And just remember that too, right? And If we make a mistake or they make a mistake, we can just acknowledge it and move through it and release all those judgments so we can get to the deeper meaning of what created issues in the first place so that we're when we're less issue focused and we're less focused in our family households about having to fix everything then the joy the love and the experiences start to naturally and organically open and flow i love it
0: so well said (laughs) thank you so much
1: thank you so much it was a pleasure
0: for our nugget of inspiration today I wanted to go back to something that Ashley said earlier in the interview really guiding our children and ourselves to ask the question when something is coming up some we have a feeling is it is it ours or is this someone else's and I think it's such a powerful first of all, awareness to have and to guide our children to have that the things that we're feeling may be our own, but they may also be things that we're picking up from other people, especially if you're kind of wired to be an empath. And then I think the other thing this does is start to broaden the conversation with our kids by asking the question, "Well, is that theirs? Is that fe- or, sorry? Is that feeling yours, or is it someone else's?" You start to s- a conversation about energy and the fact that it's not just words that we can share with each other, and you know, physical touch that we can share with one another, but actually, we can share energy and bringing their awareness to the fact that there are things that we can't see but that we can feel and that human beings are, are exchanging between one another is really allowing them, I think to tap into this sort of next conversation as, as human beings evolve in their awareness um, of what's possible for us. So with that little bit of uh, inspiration, I will leave you, I will wish you a wonderful week. If you, um, are enjoying the conversation that we're having. I would love for you to subscribe, and if you know anyone else that you think would enjoy a conversation about living their best life and setting their kids up to live their best lives, please pass the podcast along. We are we are on a mission to um, to raise consciousness and and really be a part of a conversation that has people create the lives of their dreams. Thank you for tuning in and we'll talk with you again in a week.